This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Goal! post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Catch to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! Swindon Town nil, Gillingham one. It's feeling a little bit mid-tably at the moment, isn't it? This wasn't the worst performance we'll ever see, but it certainly wasn't the greatest either. So yeah, the sky is falling. Or is it? Here to ponder is the venerable Abbott Dave. Hello, Dave. Hi, Rich. Been a while. It's been a minute. That's what they say, isn't it? A minute. I think so. Yeah, that's what the cool kids say. Well, yeah, well, I'm going to be cooler and say it's been a minute and a half, Dave. <laughs> I can't com- I can't compete with that. It's it's like I've never been away. Never try to compete with it. You know, when, when you have one child, you get funny. When you get when you have two children, you get funnier. And oh, God. what's happening as a dad of two? I'm just so funny. I don't know if I've, I've peaked already, I think. Well, there's a statement. There's a statement. <laughs> in many in many regards. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's loads to talk about in this episode. Whether I remember to mention it or not, despite a running order, is always a dice roll, but we'll have a go. But first, some serious stuff uh, to kick us off, Dave. Paul Bowden revealed pre-Ginningham on the radio that he has been diagnosed with prostate cancer. The prognosis is positive, but the reason he went public was to sort of plea with men, especially those above 50, to get themselves checked out by having a PSA. And 
the reason he emphasised that is because he had no symptoms. Apart from joining Paul in his quest to make sure that people are looking after themselves in that respect, we just want to wish him all the best as he embarks on that often turbulent time people have with cancer and what that can bring to all involved. So love and solidarity to the Bowdoin family. And something, I don't know if you were in the ground when he was talking to Vic, but what I really admired about him, it was just like, just forget about me, forget about my diagnosis. The most important thing here that's coming from this is get yourself checked out. Yeah, and I I missed in the ground, but he, I heard him give an interview um, on Radio Swindon before the match, and it was delivering very much the same message. Um, and it's, I just, yeah, I can only echo what you say. It's, um, you've got to, you've got to go out there and get checked. And it sounds based on, based on what he was saying, it sounds like it's hopefully, um, I mean, touching all the wood, hopefully it's, um, manageable and operable and not going to be a long, long lasting effects for him. But, um, yeah, the fact that he's, he's bringing this to, to people's attention is, is the right way and a great thing for him to be doing in, in the difficult times. Paul Bowden. Bowden through the Washington Desert. 1 0. Oh! He just collected a Welsh cap before the game. Presented to him on the pitch. He's opened the scoring here with a brilliant solo effort. Paul Bowden's fifth goal of the season. Ten minutes into this game. It's Swindon Town 1. Southampton 0. It's a huge pivot uh, to older shot ticket prices. <laughs> Um, yeah, November Smooth. 4th, we're playing Oldershot in the FA Cup. Tickets have been announced. And the reason why I want to mention this, Dave, is, is you know, we're often known to stick the boot in when it comes to pricing. And I stand by that and I'll do it over and over again. But this time, club deserves a little bit of credit. £15 for adults, £10 for over 65s, £10 for under 21s, £5 for under 18s, and £2 for under 11s common sense pricing means that my little boy he gets to go to his first game i'm dragging the whole family along lovely stuff oh that's nice that's nice to hear um yeah we can we can be a bit of the we can be a bit of the low cynics at some times can't we and i think we're all a bit a little bit cynical especially given the the, the time it took to announce the pricing but it's it's again just echoing what you said it's a great it's the right thing to do it hopefully attracts more bums on seats for what some town fans might view as less of an attractive fixture. It's great pricing to get to get young fans through and in, in the gates. And it's it's cheap pricing as well for Oldershot. It represents a adequate Oldershot ticket, so 20, 20 to £22 pounds normally. So it represents a saving for them. So hopefully there'll be a, a decent away following for them. It's My geography is not too great, but I'm not, I, I don't think Oldershot's too a million miles away. In, in the grand scheme of things. So hopefully they'll bring a few down. It'll be a nice little atmosphere and we can not lose at home to a non-league side, which is a bit of a, a, bit of a rarity in recent years in the FA Cup. Can't think of a, I was going to say a better way of introducing my son to the world of Swindon Town <laughs> than losing to a non-league team, but that's absolutely not what I want at all. <laughs> but like, I mean, my first game was a, was, a, was a loss, but it wasn't to a non-league side. And we've lost so many times in the last sort of 20 years to non-league size. It, it just doesn't feel... Oldershot were were football league ten years ago. It doesn't doesn't ha- doesn't hit as hard. No, I had a I had a season ticket when I was seven, and to, and I went every week until we lost to it was the season we lost to Stevenage, and then I didn't go again for about seven years after that. 
So <laughs> but just have that in the back of your mind for your son. Yes, that, that's a chilling thought, a chilling <laughs> thought. <laughs> okay, well, that's that's some admin done. Let's talk about Swindon Town Neil Gillingham one. So we all knew pretty much what this lineup would be. Mahoney in goal, Blake Tracy, Godwin Malife and Minturn coming in for the suspended slash injured Tom Brewitt. Then we had Hutton and Shade on the wings and then McEachran Khan in the usual place, Kemp in the usual place and Young and Austin in the usual place. Hepburn Murphy would get 20 plus minutes coming on for Charlie Austin. Tom Clayton would get 10 minutes or so coming on for Harrison Minton. And Miles Abodo would get another cameo playing three minutes plus injury time coming on for Tyree Shade. Brooklyn Genesini returned to the bench but did not play again. Neither did Liam Kinsella and of course Lewis Waters, his backup goalkeeper. Another six-man bench instead of seven. Good time to talk about another six-man bench. It's not a point-proven exercise because there simply isn't anybody else, really, is there? And we're going to talk about depth across this episode, I think. It was it really stood out this week because Ginningham were able to bring in some proper experience, and we simply haven't got that at the moment. I know, and it, I mean, it doesn't feel, compared to, to prior seasons, it doesn't feel like we're suffering too badly in the injury department either. Only with um, Brewer and Kane, and given where we are in the season, how how we're starting to get in there now. We're starting to get like the seasons and in, getting into the thick of it. And to only have two players out at this point, the fact that we, we've got six players on the bench, one of them is a is a sixteen year old. As as an aside, it really makes me feel bad that um, Abu Khan, who got his um, injury early in the season, because he'd be He'd be getting so many more opportunities right now, wouldn't he? The um, the like how how highly he was thought of. Um, but that's a that's a, as, as an aside. Um, I mean, I can't say anything that any of the guests on this podcast in the last two months haven't said. Uh, the 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 size of the squad's not big enough, and as we get deeper and deeper into the season, as fatigue and injuries do start to kick in and suspensions start to kick in, and as as opposition teams figure out more and more what it takes to stop Swindon Town because we don't have a great number of players to swap things around massively, then it's only gonna it's only gonna hurt us as the season goes on, and so the hope is that there's a course correction in January. Um, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see what, what happens then. It, it gets a bit frustrating to talk about it every week, but yet here we are. The main thing that has annoyed fans through this, other than the fact that, you know, we've got the potential and it just needs those few extra components just to lighten the load. But it's because before it was a problem, we saw it coming. But my goodness, the Core eleven need a break. They looked so tired last night. Yeah, and it's it's been it's been so obvious for so long. I mean, we didn't have a we didn't have a proper eleven until about a week before pre season and uh, a week before the start of the season, even. Um, and we've kind of just not really done much more than that um, over the course of January. And then we've had that spell where there's been. All the talk from from um, from inside the club that oh we'll, we'll wait for the free agent market, and the free agent market has been around. I mean, for what nearly two months now, and 
nothing's coming out of that. So now I guess we're waiting for January and then we'll see, I guess, cynically, we'll see what excuses come out of the come out of the wash then, I guess. I'm waiting with bated breath to hear the first time there's the issuance of there being no value in the January transfer market, which I'm sure will probably come out at some point um, to justify any inactivity if it happens. Oh, look at that. Right, right in the narrative already. <laughs> well, we'll just wait. I mean, it... It's, it seems ob- an obvious thing to, to cling on to. Um, but it, it, some of it has to be corrected, doesn't it? Unless the ambition is just to get to 45 points, whatever it is that you need to survive in this division as quickly as possible, get as many of them as soon as possible and then see it out and rinse repeat next year. But, I mean, we've been... They've used the, we'll have a competitive budget next year <laughs> already. <laughs> um, so I don't think they can... I don't think they can um, sprinkle that out there again when we get round to March time and the season tickets become available so they'll have to start either acting as as a as a football club that's serious about putting its playing squad in the best position possible to get promoted as it can be or we'll have to take the consequences of just disillusioning the fan base and resigning ourselves to another season of, of mid-table mediocrity um, into next year that was a bleak couple of minutes, Dave. Yeah. Well, I've not had. I've heard everybody else say very similar things over the last few months. I've not had my chance, so I've been storing it up. Boy, how do you stepped up and put it away, didn't you? Um, <laughs> the hundredth appearance. This was for Charlie Austin. He got a lovely framed picture of himself. Uh, also, one for his fifty goals. Fifty goals in a hundred games. That's very. That's very satisfying, isn't it? He becomes. I think only the 43rd player to have made their Swindon debut in the 21st century and gone on to play 100 games or more in all competitions. He's just 135 games to get to the top spot. Uh, Four of those five, Dave, are Andy King-era players. It just tells you how football has evolved over the last 20-so years. Yeah, there's so much churn, isn't there? And it's just hard to... I guess you don't have that consistency in squads anymore do you with the reliance on loans and one and two year contracts we've we've played what 13 games is it now this season 14 so if he's made 100 appearances now there'll be 132 by the end of the season I'd imagine because there's no room for him to have any time on the bench anytime soon so he will get closer and closer to that record I think unless he gets unless he gets injured or bored (laughs) <laughs> I don't. I don't think top spot's gonna gonna trouble uh, the current occupant. Let's talk about those five players. I love a quiz. I love a. I love humiliating <laughs> uh, my 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 panelists, my guests, my friends. Uh, first of all, who do you think? Who do you think the non Andy King era player is to have played so many games? They're in the top five. So these are players that made their debut in the twenty first century that played a hundred games. Or more in all competitions. Wes Fodringham? You've got him. Well done. So Wes Fodringham is the only non-Andy King player in the top five. He played just short of 200, about 191-ish. The others are all pure. You might get these all right. Pure Andy King era. Who are we going for? I'm not sure. This only really came in towards the end of the Andy King era, but I'll give it a go. Uh, Gerald Eiffel? He's number two. 
as in position number two, I would never besmirch the good name of the beast. <laughs> um, uh, Parkin? No, nope, not Parkin. He is in the top. He is in the forty-three, but he's yeah. certainly not in the top five. Steve Robinson. Oh, David Duke. Well, Steve Robinson was at eleven, I think. So he got really close. Uh, he was up there. David Duke is number one. Yeah. Well done. So you've got one. You got two. You're looking for three or four. Haywood. He's number three. Hewlett. He's done it. Yeah. E-I-E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> Very good, Dave. Well done. We're over a quarter of an hour in, and we haven't <laughs> talked about this game yet. I'm so, so sorry, everybody. I think, generally, my main observation from the very off is it was very flat. It was flat on the pitch. It was flat in the stands. It felt like 8,000 or so people dragged themselves to this game. It happens from time to time, doesn't it? It didn't start too exhilaratingly. Is that a word? It, it wasn't a thrilling view uh, from the off. But what was quite clear is Ginningham looked the more threatening. Yeah, I think I think the first five minutes we moved the ball around with a bit of pace, um, but not really creating um, much in the way of opportunities. But once Gillingham kind of got settled with that they're the ones who they didn't they weren't exactly dominating the game I don't think either side did throughout but they were the ones who were managing to create um the better opportunities and Murphy Mahoney was the one goalkeeper who was being called into action to make more saves um I don't know if it were well it was um they were kind of catching us on the break a little bit and that's what that's what happens. That's I think that's just the nature of the way that um, Flynn's chosen to set us up this season. Is it's a, it's a kind of a calculated risk. I'm perceiving it to be a, in that we're going to go out there and be in a, a, a very attacking manner and basically play with just three defenders, um, and we'll take the gamble that the opposition teams in this division aren't particularly great and those three defenders and just poor finishing will manage to see us win more games than we lose um but that kind of that kind of backfired a bit um, in the first half um they were getting so much space in front of our in front of our back line kind of similar to the way that when Salford were putting the pressure on on Saturday there was such little little desire from the midfield to track back or to close down and I think part of that is just mindset, and part of that is it's. Not, I don't think it's their natural game. Like you, you've got McEkra and Khan to a lesser to a lesser extent, Kemp, who you're asking to be the creative force going forward. By the nature of the way the team's set up, they're also meant to be covering the the back line, and it's just not their game. Um, so when when it's it's a, it's a really easy place for the opposition to exploit and Gillingham exploited it um a couple of times in that first half they gave us that warning shot um where Conor Mahoney gets the ball quite quite high up in our half and just runs at completely unopposed into our penalty area um while the kind of the midfield just point and make a half-assed effort to get back and track back. And Murphy Mahoney's on on point to to save that effort. Um, and then about five minutes later, opposite side of the pitch, but the same thing happens again. Same player, same lack of response from the midfield. 
and unfortunately it takes a little nick off of Minta and then Mahoney's wrong-footed and it's, yeah, 1-0. I don't think I'd ever seen a Mahoney play football, so to see two in in the same game and have a little bit of a sparring match was was quite something, Mahoney versus Mahoney. And, oh, it's it's just the slightest of connections, isn't it? At, at the time in the game, I thought it was just like borderline own goal. But when every time I watch it, it gets less and less, but it's enough to completely wrong for Murphy Mahoney. And um, yeah, and and I agree with you in terms of like, it was, it was just flat. I don't think Gillingham were doing great things. The one thing that they were particularly good at, good at especially in the first half bar one was corners until the goal it just felt like it was going to be a nil nil that was going to play out but yeah an absolute heartbreaker he just couldn't get his feet right Harrison no, could he, he nothing he can do I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold that against him um the, the shots just kind of come at him and he can't get his feet out of the way um and yeah Mahoney behind him kind of can't can't react in time I thought I agree their corners were were dangerous. They clearly had identified that um, our goalkeeper is about five foot three, and so they were deliberately putting it under the under the crossbar. But Mahoney, to be fair to him, he dealt he dealt well with the with those when they did come in, as you would expect from Mahoney in that respect this yeah. season. We we got we got back into the game at one nil, as is the custom. Some some pretty good moments for Swindon. Uh, there was a there was a move Hutton to Kemp to Young. Young had a go, but it was well saved. Probably until injury time is is better effort. There was another one where Young absolutely whiffed it, missed it completely, and Kemp's follow up uh, went over for a corner. The subsequent corner resulted in Austin heading wide. What what we expect from Charlie Austin, it's a it's not as easy as it looks, but that's got to be on target. Yeah, that's exactly what I've got written down here. Um, an on-form Charlie Austin, or in his in his heyday, is getting that on target or scoring, and it's just not quite clicking this season. It's got four goals in fifteen games, I think it is, in all competitions, and he's obviously he's got fifty goals in hundred for us, so he's he's scoring under his record. Um, and part of that is, I think, because he doesn't seem he's not really playing as an out-and-out number nine. He's playing almost a bit like akin to the way um, to to make a very loose comparison, but the way that Harry Kane kind of plays for England, where he'll drift back and try and engage with the midfield and draw at play. And I don't think he's particularly it's a particular strength of his, but given his experience at higher levels, you can kind of see why why he's doing that at this level. Um, so he's not getting into goal scoring positions as often. But then when he's getting into goal scoring positions, he's not being as clinical as he has been in the past. And I think that that chance is a, was a was a perfect example of that. And it was almost 2-0 before half time when Dan Kemp lost the ball and Connor Mahoney, who was quite the nuisance. He didn't play the whole game. And I was surprised when he went off. I don't know if, don't know if he had an injury or whatever, but the through ball wasn't intercepted by Harrison Minton. And again, as he tries to react to the ball coming his way it ricochets off him and it falls to Macaulay Bond who goes through on goal but again well saved by Murphy Mahoney and then Harrison Minton cleans up at the end these moments maybe to not that degree Dave because there were a few comments in the 
in the listeners listeners contributions that Minturn is is not ready for senior football which I don't think is the case they were high profile moments in this game which showed why Tom Brewitt is going to walk back into the side for MK Dons if he's fit but that one and the one that we talked about previously are just those unfortunate moments it wasn't down to naivety it wasn't done to poor decision making it was just about angling your body and we've got away with plenty this season yeah I think I think last night was kind of a reality check on where he is in his development I think I think he he fits the role as kind of fourth or fifth in line um I think he probably could have done oh well no that's that's probably harsh I think I won't he, with the context being that it's his first ever league start, and Macaulay Bond has got extensive experience at a higher level. Um, I think it, where if when he matures, he won't be making those same that same kind of mistake um, for that chance that was created then. Um, and I think, although it was a difficult one, I think the penalty later on he maybe perhaps could have done a bit better with. Um, but like I say, it's his first ever league start. He's in because of injury to Brewer and the fact that Clayton's been out for so long. I just I'm just assuming that Flynn just hasn't had as much sight of him as he has of Minturn. And I feel like I've, there's nothing in Minturn's performance to suggest that he won't go on to become a good player. I just don't not sure there's anything in that performance to suggest that that's where he's at at a first team level regularly right now either. So I, in an ideal world, he'd be out somewhere playing every week um, at an upper National League side. Um, but we don't have the luxury to be farming players out no, um, that no, much. No, we don't. Now, I have to correct you. That was, I think, his fourth start in the EFL across the last two seasons. But you did so well in the in the 100 games plus top five that I'm willing to forgive you. I swear I heard someone say it was his first league no, start. No, I blame that person, whoever they no. are. Shame on, shame on them. Um, yeah, he was. I remember <laughs> him playing definitely against Orient away last year. Still only nineteen years old. He turns twenty later in the year, and that's the thing yeah. I think people are forgetting. But centre back is a very unforgiving position if it doesn't go your way. But I do agree broadly that in an ideal world, our squad would be big enough for him to go to Maidenhead or somewhere else in the National League and get proper minutes and proper game time where he's not sitting on a bench week in, week out, not playing, not playing competitive football. And then suddenly you're brought on and expected to be Colin Calderwood. So it's it's a tough one and I think he's up to it. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, like I say, I, I don't think there's anything to suggest that he can't get to that level. He's just, I don't think he's quite that that level yet. We'll move on to Johnny Williams now. Johnny Williams played the the first hour of this game. Um, I was I was intrigued to see what the reaction would be, and it was kind of what I expected. Uh, mostly boos from the town end, but the side stands giving him a round of applause, especially when he went off. I, I was in the Don Rogers. I couldn't see, but he looked a bit annoyed with the reaction from Swindon fans and made a, made a point of clapping towards the Ginningham supporters when he went off. In terms of booing, I'm not too precious about it. I think the thing that really makes makes me a bit annoyed is that people are making up why he left 
they're assuming that he rejected a contract and and left for for more money. I've, I I heard in the Don Rogers, you know, references to him being a greedy bar steward. I mean, I've trawled through Swindon Press, Swindon Media. I don't see any any news of well, we offered him a contract, but he wasn't willing to sign it. If you if you don't get a deal, you don't stay. Wow, I don't know some of the some of the noise about <laughs> six months ago from. Some particular ITKers was that he was one of the highest paid players of all time, if you um, <laughs> believe them. So I can see why that kind of um, reputation may have developed. Um, yeah, there were plenty of enough scapegoats around to explain why um, he chose to leave. I don't really mind about the booing. I think I think footballers by and large as long as it's not getting personal I think footballers by and large should just accept it as part of the job and part of the pantomime in the theatre that professional football is and the silliness of it all um I can also appreciate why he got a bit of a nicer reception um towards the end because he was like a a bright tish spark in what was a pretty underwhelming season last year and he Read there was there was some comments and stuff on social media about the the kind of the the charity work and the engagement that he did without any fuss or without any clamor um, last season and the season before. Um, so he he seems like a really good egg. Um, and so no ill will to him. Um, and his performance yesterday was kind of classic Johnny Williams in that it was quiet and ineffectual and taken off after 55 minutes <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll fight you to the death for the ineffectual bit but yeah it was what it was it was it was quiet um one sliding tackle which made which impressed me as like, oh johnny here we go i completely agree about the pantomime element of booing if it angered him if it annoyed him then it's working you know we're, we're playing the opposition yeah. we don't we don't want him to have an edge we you know, and some players thrive on it, some don't. And yesterday, if if it if it played on his mind, who knows? But I'm a fan of Johnny Williams. Um, I wasn't offended by like, be quiet, leave our Johnny alone or anything like that. But um, <laughs> it was more less so the booing. It was more the 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 additional comments I was hearing. Like, just how do you know that was the case? It anyway. We'll move on to the second half. Shortly after the second half restarted, there was a hell of an effort by Che Alexander. A really, really good save by Murphy Mahoney. It was a good height for him. But the technique to hit it, I'm not going to say I wanted it to go in, but it was, it was a hell of a strike, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he caught it really well. Unlike um, the penalty in a moment. <laughs> yeah, less said about that, the better. Um, no, the more said about that. We'll, we'll talk about that, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, a, it was a fantastic hit, and Gillingham kind of started the second half really brightly um, and created a few chances. Because following up from the, following on from that corner, they've they've had a flick on where if someone's a bit brighter at the far post, they've got a little they've got a tap in, and then they fashioned a chance and walked through a ease a couple of minutes later. Where I think I can't remember who it might have been. Um, Blake Tracy makes a last ditch effort to knock it wide or knock the shot wide. Um, and yeah, at that point, it looked like they, they'd come out quickly. And if they'd have got another one there, then that would have been a completely good night. But um, luckily, uh, Mahoney and co were able to stop their chances. Yeah. Before the penalty, Swindon's best move of the game occurred. And it would have been an absolutely incredible goal. It was Khan to Austin into Hutton. Then a young back hill for Hutton 
who just got it, he just put it wide, didn't he? Was it saved or was it wide? Um, either way, it was it was a lovely move and showed Town's potential. Yeah, it was a, it was saved. The keeper pushed keeper pushed yeah. it wide, um, and it shows what we can do when when it when it all clicks and when the the players are swapping positions. Almost, you've got Charlie Austin coming deep, and that's dragging the opposition apart, and it's giving. Romeo Hutton the space to then make a run inside, and it was it was a great flick by Young. I know we'll, we'll we'll come on to his finishing, but it was a lovely flick to to set up Hutton, um, and the keeper was equal to his shot. But we didn't we didn't move the ball with enough of that pace throughout the rest of the game in that same manner because that's when we look really dangerous. And I know it's easy to say, and it's really difficult to achieve, and there are multiple reasons why we're not constantly constantly playing like prime <laughs> prime Barcelona of of 10 years ago that's kind of that's that's the way we've got to try and be as often as possible because that's when we look our most dangerous yeah it was a lovely move it was a really really lovely move and yeah Ginningham got a penalty Minton brought down George Lapsley and again in, in real time he looked like he, he he made the most of it but the more I look at it the more it's a penalty <laughs> I guess um no no complaints from me there Che Alexander stepped up and well Dave something that we can relate to is we've both missed penalties on the county ground pitch <laughs> but mine was on target was yours uh, I hit the post oh that's that's fine Che Alexander did not one of the worst penalties you ever see <laughs> not that it matters but he poor Woof. <laughs> I think it's just how pathetic it looked. <laughs> like oh, the... It was sad, wasn't it? It was such a sad penalty. It's almost... oh Yeah, the slow run-up and the side foot, it looks horrible when it goes wrong. And passing it three feet what to the to the to the wrong side of the post it's it's embarrassing i've never seen a penalty where the team that we're playing have missed and the, the initial reaction is laughter and not <laughs> celebrations <laughs> it was it was the whole the whole Don rogers just up like like uproar <laughs> um i saw hepburn murphy um he made a big show of going to the dugout and going back to Mahoney and whispering in his ear. So I don't know if that got into the penalty taker's head or if he was whispering to Mahoney, don't worry, he's going to knock this uh, into the advertising hoardings behind at a very slow rate. So just just stay where you are. There's almost certainly at least two Gillingham fans that are listening to this <laughs> and uh, they're furious and, you know, I'll get a message in, in some, one of the formats that this pod could be located on with, uh, with some sort of... Uh, bitter reaction but Ginningham you won it's fine don't worry we'll talk about Jake Young's shooting in just a moment but <laughs> that was the worst penalty I've ever seen and I've seen me miss a penalty um, <laughs> on the county ground pitch and then and then it sort of you wanted that to be to rejuvenate um, the talent there was the, the the fans did go right let's go then let's go and we just couldn't do it Blake Tracy came close Shortly after that, and then we w- went into injury time, and right on injury time, Blake Tracy had a sef- had an effort saved. But the big moment in injury time, Carter Hutton, Hutton who had a frustrating game, especially in the first half, but he whipped in the best cross of the night right at the end. Jake Young, three yards out, heads over, very powerful cross, probably not as easy as it should be. But over it went, and Jake Young's body language at that, 
I think, said it all. Uh, Paul D said, felt desperately sorry for Jake Young. Worked hard, got in all the right places, but just couldn't finish or at times even connect. Looks like a striker, low on confidence, trying too hard. And the harder he tries, the worse it gets. Just need one to go in off his ass so he can relax. And Marky Sparky says, Young looks like he's trying too hard. And Austin seems to have lost even the basic first touch at the moment. Just one of those nights where we would be still huffing and puffing until midnight with no luck. Summed up by Austin attempting to high five Mahoney after his decent save early in the second half and completely missed it onto the next match. Both points sum up uh, the evening, but we'll focus on, on Jake Young. I'm not going to say worried, but his body language over the 90 minutes was a player who is very, very frustrated. And maybe it's a bit of history repeating for him. Maybe Swindon Town was a safe zone where he was prolific and everything would, would fall into place. But I, nobody's talking about Jake Young being recalled now. And that's the sad thing. Nobody's posting pictures of Owen Doyle and Jake Young saying it's happening again anymore. We really need Jake Young to score a goal from his backside. Yeah, he's got a um, he's got a nasty little uh, goalless streak starting to form now. Seven, seven games without a goal and nine hours of playing time without scoring. Um, and... It's yeah, it's 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 that it's that cliche, isn't it? But one just needs to hit him and hit him and go in, and I'm sure that everything will be all right and all smelling of roses again after that because his finishing is is he's just he's just snapping at shots. There was the air shot in the first half where I don't even know why he's he's in his body position's in no position to make the shot. Um, it's the ball's running across him. He's lashed at the ball and missed it completely. And then Kemp's had a effort, and it, the keeper's pushed it over. Um, there was that. I mean, I hesitate wow. to even call it a shot in the second half. The Ooh. one that skewed out for a throw-in. Um, it was so bad they didn't include it on the highlights, which is probably <laughs> the nicest thing whoever edited that could do. Because oh, that was the one, wasn't it? Yeah. And it's he's just he's just snatching at things, and I guess he's over. You, you you can start to overthink, can't you? And things don't come naturally. I guess I've never been a striker at any level of football, let alone a professional level. But regurgitating what people who know the position say, <laughs> he's displaying the characteristics of someone who is just overthinking it, not playing on instinct, and you're not going to perform at your best when you're when you're doing those things which is a when he's if you took if you take the 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 goal scoring aspect out I think he's still contributing to the rest of the side to be fair to him and showed some neat touches and some good link-up play um I mean the one we were just talking about then the the little flick for Hutton as a case in point if he's in the side to be one of the primary goal getters that's how he needs to be judged I guess first and foremost and at this current trend we're not gonna we're not gonna have any any worries in trying to keep hold of him in January yeah I think it's a really good point I think maybe he was brought in to be a number 10 score goals like a number nine and now he's sort of reverting into that <laughs> into the role that he's probably more used to um will he refine his form 
no one knows but boy we need him to do it again really soon how about mk dons on saturday uh, before we move to the post match a lot of Ginningham praise from swindon fans paul merriman says we threw the kitchen sink at them they defended incredibly well you get the feel of some games this one you felt like we could have played all day and not scored. Jake Young missed a couple of glorious chances. On another day, we win that 4 or 5 1. I thought we played some great footy. DM says sometimes you've just got to give the opposition credit. They defended very well, blocked everything. And when we did break through, the keeper did well. Ben Nichols says not a bad performance, not good enough to break down a blue wall. Not even that mad. All good stuff. And Ginningham with their two banks of four playing really deep with quite a few minutes to go still. I think in the last 15, they were, they, I remember thinking, God, they're playing deep. Um, and they coped with it. But I'm not necessarily buying that they were a wall. We got through them enough times with clear cut chances to at least get a point here. Yes, they missed a penalty. <laughs> that was funny. I, I I think a draw would have been a, a fair reflection of this one. Yeah, I think those those two Gillingham fans who are still listening to us now, they'll probably be thinking that it was a, almost a perfect away performance on the away. Absolutely, yeah. Um and we'd be saying the same if if, if roles were reversed. Um because they 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 were very i mean their intention is to defend and i think they that's how they set up for most of the whole season um very narrow comfortable with us getting the ball out wide and getting the ball deep because they know that we've not got the bodies in there to win headers against their two center backs and basically just going okay you've got the ball out there we're going to stick bodies in this penalty area and we're going to get in the way and you're not going to get through us so try your best and yeah I think we did get through a few times like you say um I think I think that's just the nature of the league in this level of football I think you can even the best defensive sides you're still going to get chances against because it's it's just a lower standard of football it's not like super high Champions League levels of organization and there will be gaps that appear I think we huffed and we puffed, but Jill and I were quite resolute. And I take what you say, that they were no no way appeared any way special. And the fact that we huffed and puffed and lost 1-0. And I mean, I'd, I'd argue that on quality of chances, Jill and I probably had a better quality of chances. I, I wouldn't say created, but like presented to them. I think Mahoney had to make save more difficult saves than their goalkeeper did. Albeit we had we had more efforts and we had more possession in their penalty area and we had more pressure overall. But I'd see, yeah, Gillingham didn't look anything special that you'd expect to be running away with this league. And the fact that that was the level of performance that we could put in is a bit of a concern. I think that's a very fair way of seeing it. And to backtrack, maybe I, I don't want people to think that we've been robbed from that game because I don't think we had been robbed I I think probably a draw would have been a fairer reflection of the game Ginningham did what 
you've got to do when you're away from home and they will be absolutely elated with the way it, it panned out. But anyway, full-time, Swindon Town nil, Gillingham won. The games of Crawley and giving them a six-shooter performance feel long gone, don't they? But Michael Flynn, post-match, said, we've got to stop throwing points away. We dominated the game, gave away a poor goal as we let Mahoney cut to his left. The chances we missed were poor. I always try to get us on the edge of our seats and be positive, and they've done that tonight. So much good play tonight, but we've thrown points away. I do feel for the strikers at times. They don't know when the crosses are coming in. Hutton's decision was better in the second half. We've missed a header from three yards. You don't see the Stockports and the Wrexhams miss those. We've played some of the best, well, the best football I've ever seen in League Two. Hmm. Uh, when they're down and out, we need to stamp on their throats. And I mean stamp on it. I hate losing games. I hate dropping points. But let's be straight. Over the last couple of days, that's five points dropped. Jake Young can't let miss chances fester. Jake Kane got injured in the post-match at Salford. He's out for a couple of weeks. We're not a one-man team regarding Kemp. We can't think we're a one-man team. Somebody has to step up, and it's as simple as that. And we'll see how the week goes with Tom Brewitt. Mark Kirkman says, first time I've disagreed with Flynn's post-match comments. We certainly did not play unbelievable football. Decent, yes, but too slow at times. Jill's tactically very good, denying us a space through the middle. Mahoney, man of the match, two really good saves. Squad depth is a continual issue. And Hampshire Heinze says, for once, I didn't think Finn's post-match reflected the match I saw. Gillingham had a game plan that was well executed, doubling up on our wing-backs, pressing the defence, and then actually creating the better chances. Mahoney made three very good saves. I'm in the mud on my uh, Gillingham opinion, aren't I? Um, They were clearly much better than I'm giving them credit for. I do apologise. Dave, I'm content to say that we weren't excruciatingly poor last night. I could even say we weren't even that bad last night. But that was not the best League Two football that I've seen, (laughs) and that's for sure. Yeah, that is a that's a ludicrous statement that the side who are currently ninth in League Two can have been playing the best football that he's ever seen at this at this level. Yeah, that's just a bit of hyperbole, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. And I guess reading across the the, the usual places, I guess the observation is optics are a funny thing. It feels like the season is going okay; that everyone's going to be happy this season, but. Now it's four points from a possible 15 from our last five games. And Flynn's record in all competitions is played 17, won six, drawn seven, two of which were pointless penalty shootouts, and lost four. If I was reading into those stats and they told me that those stats belonged to, say, Ginningham, then I'd say they were having an average season. October has caused some damage, hasn't it? Yeah. We identified October as being the the tricky period right when the fixtures came out, didn't it? And it's going to form and it's, we've got, it's not going to get any easier as we roll into November either with the, with the sides that we've got coming up to play. So it's, it's good in a way that we had such a strong start to the season, but we've got, I mean, MK Dons, they've not had a great start, but new manager and expect them to start turning it around. And then we've got Mansfield and Stockport in quick succession. So it's not going to get easier. (laughs) 
No, no, it's not. Well, let's have some more listeners' contributions after a sting and some noises. Hello, everybody. Summer is here, and when there's no Swindon Town, I do enjoy using my favourite streaming services to watch, you know, the same old comedies I've watched a billion times before. But hey, I love it, okay? So don't judge. Alas, being away overseas on holiday in the chateau means I have to go without some of those shows until I've returned home. But no more. NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash lowstrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and the link is in the podcast episode description box. Enjoy your summer. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell, Outlook Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager, Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering. Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1, well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with McDelivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Paul Bowden from the spot for Swindon. He scored! Some more listeners' contributions. Thank you to everyone who sent stuff in. Michael said a frustrating evening for STFC. Felt like the cross the ball into the box option was too easy to defend all night. Could we not try play tippy-tappy from the edge of the box and play through the defenders? Feels like a tactic we need to work on as well as our finishing. Hank says... We have to rely on 16-year-old players from the academy. We look fatigued as we have no depth, no urgency. Tactics didn't work as we kept doing the same thing. No players to change it up as we have no depth again. This will bite us in January when we lose two players. Michelle says, had no options to change the game. Why did we take shade off when we were just taking a corner? We had a lot of possession, but seemed to me that we didn't know what to do with it. We were just trying the same thing. Man of the match, McEachran or Mahoney, having a small squad will come and bite us in the you-know-where. Moonraker says, ridiculous lack of depth due to lack of investment now coming home to roost. Players look jaded and tired. Not good enough, Mr. Morfuni. Time to stop hiding and act like an owner who wants promotion. Next up is Mike, who says, we have lost or drawn every game against teams we expected to be up there at the start of the season. Lack of depth starts showing. Sadly, another mid-table finish is the most likely outcome. Flynn said we played unbelievable football. Why did we lose the game then? Jack says, man of the match, in my opinion, was Mahoney. He pulled off some great saves and kept us in it. Overall, the performance was poor and I don't see many players who can come on from the bench 
to take the game by the scruff of the neck and say, come on, let's go and move the ball quicker. Ben says, League 2 referees make me violently unwell, dropping points to another poor side. Clem seriously needs to put his money where his mouth is in January, otherwise the attendances will half next season. And we finish with a couple of long-form messages, starting with Bernie Mann, who says, that got me more angry than maybe it should have. There was one real reason why we couldn't win that game tonight. Lack of depth and investment. Asking 13 players to play 19, 95% of all minutes for the first quarter of your season is ridiculous these days for a pro EFL team. The players were out on their feet at the end tonight. Even Kemp, who is usually like the Duracell bunny, was done. We will lose versus MK Dons without our most creative player and our early season promise will have washed away. Maybe the new CEO can have a go at trying to convince us. Who is to blame for that? Flynn, the man in control of the budget? Morfuni, the man with the purse strings? Or somebody else? This is only going to get worse. We are putting all of our hopes on a 16-year-old striker and a 19-year-old defender. Somebody has got to start being honest. We should not have lost that game, had chances to win it. And we finish with Jeremy Randall, who says we should not have lost that game. We had enough chances to win it. And after being unable to miss in August and September, Young couldn't have hit a cow's backside with a banjo. He wasn't the only culprit either, and we conceded a poor goal. It was absolutely baffling that Hutton got the sponsor's man of the match. His crossing was poor, especially in the first half. McEachran and Kemp played well, but man of the match was Mahoney for me, particularly for the two second half saves. One or two players looked tired at the end, but no respite for them with the squad looking stretched as Uwakwe and Kane now injured and Kemp unavailable for Milton Keynes-Dons. A win is needed on Saturday to keep us in touch and we play the game in hand straight after the FA Cup first round. Credit to the club for the pricing of that game. Finally, why do a number of home fans bellow shoot whenever a town player has the ball within 40 yards of the goal, regardless of how many opponents are blocking the path to the goal? It's pointless and irritating. Right, Dave, in summary, we played all right, really. Squad depth. Gillingham defended well. Squad depth. Grr. Squad depth. <laughs> un, un, oh dear. Unless Michael Flynn has rediscovered the lost art of keeping a secret and he's just really good at poker, then we're not going to see new additions until January. And even then, you'd expect exits to potentially over oh, another millionaire to invest on top of what we've already got. And I get the feeling that fans expect whoever we were to bring in, or if we did bring in someone before January, that they're players that they've heard of or players with 100 plus games. But the likelihood is they'd be people of similar ilk to Jake Kane and Brooklyn Genesini. It's tough. I understand it. We talk about it all the time, but I think we need to get real to a degree. And I don't know. Clearly, something has changed. I don't think Rob Angus was lying last summer. I feel that the goalposts have changed since then. Well, yeah, something. One of those two things is true. Um, And I completely agree with the kind of targets that we'd be looking at in January because if you want to get those recognisable names, they're going to cost money. And there doesn't seem to be much evidence 
to date that <laughs> there's that pot of money. So it's going to be loanies or kids in their last six months of their contract who just get just get released on a for a negligible sum. If you do see players come in of note, there's a reason, and that's because players that are playing week in week out right now are leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to add to the team and not lose anybody in, in the next window as it stands, unless there's a huge change of strategy. If we're bringing in proper first-team players, it's because we've lost loan players or lost players on permanent contracts because players are having contracts as contracts run out at the end of this season and January is a time where bids come in. So there could be, and we've had this the last few seasons, a little bit of a rotation with, with the squad in yeah. January. So we we have to be realistic. And you look at the, I mean, are we assuming that the likes of Hutton and Blake Tracy sign two-year deals with an option for a third? Yeah, but come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that's got to be the case. But <laughs> if not, then we're, we're looking at a very bleak winter, I think. Romeo Hutton's been linked to a move away from the moment he signed bloody contract. You know? <laughs> so, he, Jake Wakelin signed for Peterborough. Romeo Hutton went, don't you mean Romeo Hutton has signed for Peterborough? No, it's it's Jake Wakelin. He's like, what? You know, I bet he was absolutely livid. Um, that's not fair. You know, I'm not saying that Romeo Hutton wants out or anything like that, but he has been really strongly linked with moves away. And the assumption is always Peterborough because they just sign lower league players, don't they? Yeah, but that's what they do. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, and we're going around in circles, really. We've not heard much from Clem Mulfooney or anyone, for that matter, since the Q&A, which was just over a month ago. There's been no updates on the shares front. However, the Nepean Football Association have announced on October 20th that a partnership with Swindon Town, and according to the logo included, our international academy. Nothing has been announced from our side of things. Um, the good news is the Nepean Football Association is legit. They've got internet presence and everything. It's a governing body of amateur football across Penrith, Hawkesbury, the Blue Mountains and areas of Western Sydney. Clubs are located in four council areas, according to Wikipedia. The city of Penrith, the city of Blue Mountains, the city of Hawkesbury and Wallandilly Shire. <laughs> um, it's been rumoured that Mulfooney hopes that this venture could generate up to six figures a year in revenue if everything goes to plan. This is where I get mean messages in the DMs, but I have my humble pie ready, Dave, but I'm cynical on this in relation to where Swindon Town benefit. Yeah, I'm not. I'd, it's hard to see what the joined up strategic thinking here is um it can't be with an eye on bolstering the first team and if it was with an eye on bolstering the first team then surely your efforts are much better spent on focusing areas such as i don't know wiltshire and the west country and surrounding regions it's kind of i mean if if you're looking at it from the outside it's it's a further step in trying to make the swindon town a, a company which sponsors visas for for young people coming into this country that has a football club associated with it we'll see how it how it pans out long term i guess yeah i think it's great news for the cities of penrith blue mountains hawkesbury and wallandilly shire and if it's a youth development thing with swindon town's name on it i, I guess he's made a great point more about this and saying like 
how much it's going to benefit. And the fact that it's been sort of low-keyed announced across certain bits of social media in, in, within Australia-centric football, and we've not gone all in on it, you know, announcing it, maybe learning the lessons from the rhetoric that Karachi did. If you read through the timeline of Karachi's project, it was very much a Swindon Town thing to start with. And then by the end of it was just, ah, don't worry about it. That has nothing to do with us, even though they wear the badge of Swindon on their kits. So maybe, maybe it's that. And if you, even if he said, look, I'm using Swindon Town's name to start something in Australia, no one's bothered by that. That's, that's not illegal. There's nothing wrong with it. To suggest, I guess is the word I'm going to go for, that Swindon could could get up to six figures a year just feels pie in the sky. And that's on the basis of it being very, very successful. Yeah, it's, I mean, he could be talking Australian dollars. So that's, you can get to six figures in Australian dollars quite easily, I think, um, compared to pounds. And I'd, I'd kind of agree that if this was just, we're doing this thing, it's, we're not going to, it's not going to harm the club or take any effort or resource away from the club in any way whatsoever. It's literally just going to, we're just going to use the logo to give it some legitimacy. That's maybe easier to swallow, but our director of football was over there in the transfer window. So that kind of suggests that there, there is a bit more of a focus from those behind the scenes on this kind of venture than perhaps you'd necessarily be comfortable with for what is a otherwise functional League Two football club that should be focusing its efforts on things like building and maintaining relations with the surrounding areas and growing a building a stadium and getting promoted out of the football club rather than funding and or sponsoring or getting involved with um, football associations on the other side of the world. Yeah, well. We'll see what happens there. We've, we've talked for far too long. Yeah. Far too long. It's, it's, well, but I've, I've enjoyed every moment of it. We, we haven't done Man of the Match yet, and then we'll, we'll leave it at that. The sponsors went for Romeo Hutton, and the amusement from the Don Rogers around me that Romeo Hutton got Man of the Match. You know, everyone sees the game differently, but that did cause quite the eyebrow-raising moment. The listeners have gone for Murphy Mahoney. Fraser Blake Tracy was second. George McEachran, who we barely mentioned, was third. Who does Dave's Man of the Match go to? And therefore the pods. Uh, it's I'd give it to the Hyperman set, FB Tracy. Yeah, okay. Live and direct, is that right? Live and direct, that's it. Oh my goodness, yeah, I'm, I'm down with the kids still. I'm still relevant. I'm still cool. Oh, never <laughs> was, never was. You're giving it Blake Tracy. Yeah, yeah. good. Very good, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he. Um, when we looked, when we looked at our best, it was when we were having the players run in between the the vertical lines on the pitch, and he would break forward and carried the ball well, and he defended solidly, um, and just look, especially towards the end when it was getting a little bit. Let's just throw people forward. He was the one sticking his foot on the ball and trying to create things so yeah in I, th- I think someone in the in the in the, the group yesterday summed it up well as like a six in a sea of fives um which feels like an adequate kind of assessment <laughs> but he'd, he'd be my um man of the match in that in that sea that's lovely well i'm off to one and diddy shire um <laughs> hope to be back in time for the milton Keynes dons game 
Dave, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, you Reds. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 